Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tacova's is your first stop for the best in Western style. And by the way, you don't have to be into the Western look to grab a good-looking pair of boots. I recently got a pair of ostrich skin round tip boots, and I'm warm with my suit. These boots are so versatile that I can throw them on with a full head-to-toe suit, and Anthony Smith came right up to me, and he's asking me where I got them. Well, I told them the only place to get them, Tacovas. And they have a seasonal limited edition offering. It's right now, this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, accessory, and more. My wife just surprised me with the ostrich wallet and a belt for my birthday, in case you've seen me. I feel like I look pretty sharp in it. I truly do. And Tacovas has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Plus, their direct-to-consumer pricing keeps value on your feet and money in your pocket. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary beverage or two, and shop for new styles. The smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it into the store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and they ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your favorite pair of boots today. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday! And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. I hope you're all having a great week. Coming up on today's show, I got an update on Tom Asimov's knee injury. I'm going to talk about a big question about Israel Adesanya, and I'm also going to make a comparison between Conor McGregor and Hasbet Shemayev. All of that soon, but first, let's begin with some exciting news. Yes! 
Yes! Woo! One's going my way. Yes! Chandler versus Poirier. Coming to New York. Yes. This is the fight. This is the fight for so many different reasons, starting with Poirier, the nicest gentleman in the business, got mad at somebody for his first time ever. Poirier is mad at Michael Chandler because Michael Chandler called out four guys and he wasn't one of them. <laughs> what? Can you be mad at that? And I got to tell you, for Poirier to go, hey, you're calling out the top guys, you're acting like I'm not one of the top guys, that's very disrespectful. He's not without an argument here, but put yourself in Chandler's shoes. Poirier, until agreeing to this fight, has been flirting with the idea and even telling all of us of his idea of moving to 170 pounds. That's another reason I love this match, by the way. we Now we have some clarity on Dustin Poirier. That's great news. If you're a fight fan, Dustin Poirier matters. 155, but where Dustin Poirier goes and where he's going to try to compete, if he's going to go a run after Usman, we need to know that. If he's going to stay put right where he is, understanding that that belt and the opportunities that come with it are changing rapidly. At 155 pounds, we just don't have the same champion for very long. We just don't. There's been one guy throughout the duration of the division to be a staple at the top once he finally got the opportunity to be there, which was for less of his career than he was chasing contendership, and that's Khabib. Absolute anomaly in absolutely everything that he did, including leaving the sport at 29-0. I do think for Dustin Poirier, take a good look at the landscape. Know that he still wants to be champion. He's still got the eye of the tiger. You talk about eye of the tiger, right? As long as the guy is doing the work, as long as the guy is still feeling it, people talk about a guy gets old, father time catches his assault. Not really. It's not quite what you think. There's not just, just seconds on the clock that goes by and day on the calendar and all of a sudden you can't do it anymore. That is how every fighter and every athlete that has regressed will tell the story, but we all know in our heart that we weren't putting in the same amount of effort. We were tired mentally, not physically. Mentally, we were tired. Bored. Having a hard time finding why and what the drive is. To some extent and some degree... And that happened prior to that athlete looking old on camera in front of you guys. And Dustin Poirier, as hard as he works, as long as he still has the eye of the tiger, he can achieve anything. And I really think we're learning more about Dustin Poirier in this moment than we ever have. I mean, to see Dustin Poirier get mad in street clothes in a confrontation just because a guy walked past him because the guy did not call him out. I mean, it's very fascinating stuff. To the point that Poirier is going to come against possibly the hardest guy. I mean, you got three, four guys that can win a championship on any day. Chandler's obviously one of them. He was one second away from being the champ. The referee was one second from putting the belt around him. So each guy is different for his own reason. Chandler is possibly the hardest guy. That's up to Poirier. I don't know. I don't know. Style and matchups. I haven't given enough thought of what he would think. He didn't care. That's who he's coming after because he was insulted. He's got the eye of the tiger. He still has it. As long as you have it. If you're putting the time in and you still have that, you can win the world championship. 
and he's staying at 155. Now let's take a look at Michael Chandler. Because we got to ask ourselves one thing. What is this fight about? That is a massive fight. That is the only fight so far that's announced for Madison Square Garden. That's a really relevant clue, guys. Generally, this isn't a rule. This isn't a rule, but boy, you can usually count on it. When the UFC announces we're going to a venue, here's the date. Whatever fight they announce first, attaching to that card and that date is the main event. Now to put Chandler versus Poirier as the main event, you could get away with. Oh yeah, that's a big one. I haven't been this excited for, that's a, that's a big one. To go to the Mecca and not put a belt on the line would be unlike anything the UFC has done before. So possibly it's not the main event. Possibly it's not, but it would matter. If those guys are going to fight for 25 minutes or if those guys are going to fight 15, we have a very different analysis. Very different. I would predict as far for you that if a line came out today and we thought it was the main event, but then we found out in three days it was not, so they had to adjust the line, it would switch who's favored. That's how much it matters. Whether it's 25 or it's 15. So we'll get to I don't have that yet. We're going to get to that. And it still comes down to what are these guys fighting for? Is this personal grudge? Is this just entertainment for us? This is one Dana just gave us because it's what we want, maybe. But they do need a number one contender within that division. Benny DeRouche has done everything to become a number one contender except claim it. No one will make you the number one contender just so you understand how this works. You have to go out there and take it. You will never get an opportunity or a phone call to fight for another belt if you've got, right? This whole champ, champ thing, there will never be a decision made in the war room at the UFC to offer a champ, champ opportunity to an athlete. Never, zero times, ever has it happened or will it. You have to go take it. You have to be the champion and you have to demand it. You have to go out and get it. We will never rise somebody to the top and say they're the greatest ever. They will make the claim first because other guys are going to make it. And those are the guys we're going to listen to. It's like anything else in life. Who can do that? You raise your hand. Is there a doctor in the room? A couple guys raise their hand. Now you've got who you're going to choose from. That's how everything in life works. But fighters don't think it works that way in the UFC. Sooner or later, they're going to see my good deeds. Sooner or later, they're going to hear about, I get up before the sun and I put six miles in every... No, it doesn't work that way. It's never worked that way. Whatever Benny DeRouche does next should be for a number one contendership. It won't be. It won't be because he won't claim it. I would not generally look to Chandler and Poirier as a number one contender. I would look at it as awesome. I would look at it as extremely difficult. I would look at it as ultra-competitive. I mean, this is going to be a bludgeoning on both sides. Okay, this is going to be like watching Gaethje and Poirier. Alvarez and Justin. I mean, it really is. Chandler versus, this is a dream fight. But what's on it? What comes from it? And I don't know that we can answer that yet. One month before these guys are going to square off, Charles is going to square off with Islam. It matters who's the champion. It matters who has the belt. It matters that they're one month after it, which is the perfect spot for a number one contenders match. I don't think you would normally look at this match as a number one contenders. But if the field changes, particularly if Islam wins, and the placement one month later, it's going to be talked about, and it might just become that. But they're going to have to claim it. They're going to have to make it that. 
And that's the only piece of the story that I am missing right now. I got all the other W's for. I got four of the five W's, right? Who, what, when, where? I just don't know have why yet. I don't know what's on it. This is an awesome match. I'm pumped about it. Is it going to be a main event? We got to find that out. You have a very different analysis if it's five rounds versus three. Dustin Poirier versus Michael Chandler. It's coming. It's going to New York. Is it the main event? The relevance to that is just, if, is this five rounds or is this three rounds? Because those two, if you study them, if you know their careers really well, that's a, it's a different fight. You might even have a different prediction for who the winner is going to be. It's a vastly different contest. Now, is it going to be the main event? We had the reasoning that it would because they announced the location and the date and the first and only fight they attached to that was this one, which is generally the main event. Hold that thought because Dustin Poirier's answered that question. He went on social media to let us know it's five rounds. Okay, it's the main event. Great, I got it. Well, not so fast. Ariel believes that they are still targeting that date for Adesanya versus Piera, which would just mean that that would be the main event because it's for the title that moves Chandler and Poirier down, but Poirier has confirmed it's going to be five rounds. Now, we've seen this before. We saw this with Nate Diaz and Leon. They were not the main event. There was two title fights up that night, in fact. They put Nate and Leon for five rounds, and they went all five rounds. So there was a potential for 15 rounds just between the last three matches. I'm just reminding you. This isn't unprecedented. It has been done before. What do you guys think? Do you guys like that? Do you want, I mean, do you, do you feel, hey, I'm getting more bang for my buck. It cost me the same amount of money and I could get 10 more minutes. Is that how you feel? I wouldn't begrudge it, but this one has always been interesting to me. This was roughly 2012. I think it was 2012 exactly, but I'm real close. I remember where I was in Westland, Oregon, in my truck, and I got a phone call from Stephen Morocco. Stephen Morocco is the one that told me the new policy is going to be moving forward. All main events are five rounds. If it's a championship fight, okay, great. Nothing has changed. If it's not a championship fight, but it is a main event, it's going to be five rounds. And I just remember at the time thinking and even voicing it to Stephen, this isn't going to work. This is not going to hold. The, the locker rooms are going to revolt. They're not going to go out and do something for 60% longer under the same contract just because of the placement of their card. They could fight the same guy doing the same thing on the same card. One match earlier and do it for 15 minutes. They're not going to do it an extra time. I just didn't think it would work. It did. And there has been guys over time that have spoken up about that, said something very similar to what I just said, but there probably wasn't five of them. In 10 years, there's probably not been five guys. I had that one wrong. Now, if we're going to change that policy yet again to any fight that we really like and we're going to add 10 minutes to it, what do you guys think about that? Is that a cool thing? Is that a good thing? Is that a helpful thing? And how do you get the athletes to agree? Like, what, what is that conversation like? Is there a, no, a negotiation? Is this a new deal, if you will? Dustin Poirier, and it's just a tweet, all I have to go off of his tweet, but he sounded very excited about it, as though he preferred it, and there are some guys that are like that, Nate Diaz comes to mind. If Nate could find a way to make it eight rounds, he would. Like, there, there is some guys that are built for duration, and they see that as an advantage. The preparation for a five-round fight is very different. 
the activity of a five-round fight, it's very different. The time that it, in theory, would shorten your career, enlarge your layoff after a fight before you return to the gym, just, just logically. So if you're Chandler and you're Pori, I mean, guys, we've got our answer now. It's going to be five rounds. Have you seen either guy fade in a contest? I mean, these are two guys who are amongst the most professional, hardest working, experienced and understanding guys in the sport. So if anybody can go out there and go five rounds, neither one of them is going to flinch. Neither one of them is going to, I don't want five rounds. I'd rather have three rounds. I don't want to work that hard. I don't want to risk that much. They're not, they're not going to be able to say it. We're going to have to look at evidence and then try to guess who that favors. Very hard for me to do. I just got this information. I just saw the tweet from Dustin Poirier right now. I'm going to need a little bit of time to think about that myself, but I cannot recall a time that I've seen either guy fade. Generally, the shorter the contest for a bigger and stronger guy, which is what Chandler is, is more helpful. Chandler is an exception. He's just an exceptional athlete and an exceptional competitor. But Dustin Poirier has been tested many times. I can't tell you off the top of my head. I'd have to go back and research it. I cannot tell you off the top of my head a bunch of fights or any fights that Chandler came back in in the fourth or came back in in the fifth. Needed that fourth or fifth round. Needed it. The fight would have been stopped after three. It would have gone his way, but he changed. I can't do that. I can with Poirier. I can tell you fights that the longer they went got better for Dustin. Alvarez comes to mind. Gaethje comes to mind. And I do think that it does change your analysis. I do think that it's going to change your breakdown. You have two really good strikers. And I don't feel that Dustin Poirier ever had the appreciation poured on top of him. There was a debate going around, guys. There's a meaningful debate that our industry weighed in on from the media to the fans, to the athletes themselves, to the promoters. And then it extended over to boxing, where we started having boxers and boxing trainers weighing in on this. And it was just this. Who's the best boxer in the UFC? So you got to throw Connor in there, because he's the only meaningful guy that actually went and boxed. you got to throw Connor in there. They then put in Max Holloway, and they had Dustin Poirier. It was these three guys. Dustin and Max got matched up, and it stayed on their feet, and Dustin dominated. But the conversation seemed to end. Like, instead of anointing, oh, we've got our answer, and it's the young man from Louisiana by way of Miami, Florida. They, they didn't do that. It's just like the conversation just ended. I only bring that to you because they're probably going to be on their feet a lot. I mean, if you really look at the X's and O's, they're probably going to be on their feet a lot. It's probably going to look very similar to Chandler and Gaethje. Chandler definitely, by resume, has the ability to take Poirier down. A few guys have, a, those guys had a really hard time doing it. And once you take Dustin down, holding him there, damn near impossible. Nobody actually has effectively done that that wasn't named Khabib. So it's just everywhere that you go, everywhere you think you start to see how this match is going to go, you come to the same conclusion, which this is a close match. We've got one piece of clarity, right? It's going to be five rounds. we got another piece from Arrow that this card might even get strengthened more by finally getting Pierre and Adesanya. If that happens, this is going to be the card of 2022. Exciting things to come. we got a little bit of clarity here. we got that report. I've reached out to Chandler. Reached out to him just to ask, how did this happen? How did you get not a guarantee of main event status, but you did get a guarantee of, of five rounds? I'm personally curious. So I assume you guys will be 
When I get that answer, I will be back to you. If you're living paycheck to paycheck or struggling to make ends meet, it can be really stressful when unexpected expenses come up. I myself am no stranger to being in tight spots with money. There were definitely some rough patches during my early days of competing. I wish there were companies like Dave when I was coming up. Dave is a banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly by signing up for their extra cash account. That's more money to fill your gas tank or catch up on bills. You can finally tackle those unexpected expenses that have been stressing you out without any hangups. There's no interest and no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch and need some extra help, listen to Uncle Chael and go to the App Store and download the Dave app right now. That's Dave, D-A-V-E. Sign up for an extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly for terms and conditions. Go to dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve. Member FDIC. The future you will thank you. You know, I had an interesting uh, comparison the other day. I made a com- I got a lot of credit for this. I, I'm not trying to my own wheels, but I am the author of the statement. Just to remind you what the statement was, I made a comparison between Hazma Chemayev and Conor McGregor at this stage of their career. And I think that it's a very strong comparison. I think one of the people, reasons that people really listen is Hazma Chemayev is currently a 12-1 to favorite over Nate Diaz. He started at 8-1. to Within 24 hours, he had moved almost double the other way to the point that it's a problem. I mean, it's actually a problem. This is a main event on a card that is top-heavy. There's no title on the line, but there is a farewell to one of the UFC's greatest ever stars. It's a big deal and it's a big night. But it was so lopsided in the... It's become a problem. I don't know that tickets are even on sale, but if tickets were on sale, I guarantee they're trending a hell of a lot slower than people would have expected and a hell of a lot slower than any other Nate Diaz fight. It's a problem. It can be solved. They're working on solving it now, but this is happening right in front of your eyes. When you do a squash match, the squashing is done by the star. You don't get the star squash. So it's just a unique formula. It's all I'm sharing with you. Everything's going to be fine. But this is the spot where we're in. I say, hey, hold on just a second with this 12 to 1 business. As great as you believe Chemayev to be, as great as you have seen Chemayev to be, as great as you believe Chemayev will go on to be, He is not, was not, and will not, reasonably, be more decorated than Conor McGregor was when Nate got in there and beat him. Now, Conor went off as a a two and a half to one or even a three to one at one point favor. That's because Ireland brought in a bunch of money. But Conor McGregor was an interim champion of the world. He was a 45 pound champion of the world. He was a 55 pound champion of the world. It's very relevant that you understand that. What Nate Diaz is up against with Shemayev is nothing compared to what he's already been up against and succeeded. 
And people really liked that comparison. They got to listening, but there were some people that started a discussion. The discussion was very fair. Done on the underground forum is very fair. And people say, well, hold on a second. Chemayev hasn't had the opportunity to fight for an interim championship. Chemayev hasn't had the opportunity to fight for the undisputed championships. Chemayev might just be ever been as talented, just not as recognized as Conor McGregor. That's fair. That is absolutely true. But when I go on to tell you, it's going to be very unlikely that Chemayev, when the story is over, ever achieves what Conor had by the time Conor got in there with Nate. That's, that's just opportunity, guys. That's not skill. To find yourself in an intra title fight is very rare. To successfully win a world championship is very rare, though it's done. To even be given the opportunity to go for champ champ status, guys. There's guys right now that could win the strap at different weight classes. They can't get the opportunity to try. And that story goes back from the beginning of time. I mean, what about what about the, the full decade, decade and a half we did before we ever gave anybody the opportunity to even try to do it? I mean, those guys are long done. They're in their nursing homes waiting for their daily allotment of applesauce right now. They're never going to be given the opportunity. So I do get that it's very fair to say, look, Chemayev's never been as dangerous as Connor. He's just not as decorated. I do get that, but let's just stay on the topic for fun. Are you right? What would you say if I was to ask you, when everything's done, Connor's career will end long before Chemayev's career. Chemayev will probably have another eight years on him. Maybe even 10. But when that eight or 10 comes, and now we've got, it's all completed, and we can look at what Connor did, and we can look at what Jemayev did, who do you think is going to be ahead? Who achieved more is likely to be Connor for the case that I already laid out? To get three different world title opportunities just to get the opportunity, guys. Rare. Adesanya had it. Connor had it. Has anyone else? It's rare let alone to succeed. So let's just say that Chemayev does get the opportunity. Do you think he can cover the spread? And if he does, can we at least reasonably believe he can't outdo the spread? He would have to be champ, champ, and champ. There'll be plenty of you that think that he's just that good. I, I, I get it. We can hear all of those things. He'll certainly be given that opportunity. But if he can tie Connor, he can get three different belts. I don't care about the weight classes, guys. What Connor has is three different belts. If he can do that, then we're going to have to look to popularity. You want to know who's bigger? It's not just about who landed more punches or who's got more finishes, which is a really stupid thing to even talk about. Who won more? It's going to be who made the most money. You want to know who the best fighter of all time is? It's whoever made the most money. The best boxer of all time, and it's not even a discussion, is Floyd Mayweather because he made the most money. If I was to ask you that in any other walk of entertainment, that's exactly what you would turn to. If I ask you who the best actor in the world is, the best and most successful actor is whoever made the most money, not who had the most Grammys or Oscars or whatever it is those arrogant entitled pricks get together every year and hand themselves. It's whoever brought in the most money. If I was to ask you the greatest professional wrestler of all time, That is a conversation between Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin, and based on the temperament of Vince McMahon, because he continues to change that answer, it's one of them. Why? Because they brought the most money. They never hit a drop kick. They never hit a frog splash. They never hit a moonsault or a Hearn Karan or any of these other stupid moves that wrestlers are doing these days. They got the most attention. They spread that over longevity, parlayed that into WrestleMania, saw themselves on pay-per-view, fill up arenas. 
So do you believe when this whole thing is done, first off, that Shammai will have three different belts? That's a different question than is he good enough to. By the way, very hard. It's a very, ooh, you're saying a lot if you think that he will. Now, do you think he'll make as much money? And I, and I, I don't have a horse in this race. I don't care who ends up better between Shemaev and Conor McGregor. I think it's a compliment that those two are even being compared to each other for very different reasons, but a compliment that we've even isolated down to these two. So I don't think you're going to hurt anybody's feelings here. But you're saying a lot. And if you come to the conclusion of no, no, it's unlikely. Conor McGregor has a $17.2 million gate already done and in the books at Madison Square Garden. It was a rare opportunity because it was the first time the UFC ever went to the state of New York. I mean, there's just some things that you can't duplicate. They're going to be very hard to beat and outdo. But if you finally come to the conclusion of no, it strengthens my argument that Nate Diaz has already dealt with more than what he's getting ready to face, but he's a 12 to 1 dog. How? How are you 12 to 1 sure that a guy is going to fail when he's already been tested to a higher level and succeeded? I'm just asking the question. I think it's fair. I think we're going to have to ask questions like this. I think the 12 to 1 spread on a main event that is top heavy, that's got no belt on the line, it's got no contendership that we've been informed of, I think it's hard. But I also think there's a hell of a lot more to the story than what the bookmakers are saying. Bookmakers put it 12 to 1, but they didn't put a dollar down themselves. The hell are you listening to these guys for? I'm telling you, it's going to be a great fight. Who should you listen to? Some unnamed bookmaker or Chael P? To count Nayat Diaz out, that's, that's a laughable statement. It's insulting. It's rude. But it's also silly. I think I make a very fair point. I think when you really think this thing through, comes down to accomplishments, when it comes down to longevity, when it comes down to main events, and when it comes down to money. It's very hard to believe that Nate is going in there with somebody that will ever surpass what Nate has already successfully done. So I mentioned to you guys earlier that Adesanya versus Piera is a possibility for the main event at MSG in November. It's a fight that I'm really excited to see. And I've recently got asked a question about it. I want to bring that to you guys. Here's what I got asked. Hey, Chael, is Alex Piera the fight that Israel Adesanya needs? I said, well, tell me what you mean by that. What do you mean that he needs him? Guy asked me the question, says, well, Adesanya, he's not really getting up for these fights. There's not a lot of excitement. There's not a lot of hypes. As a matter of fact, a, a, a A-list movie star after his last performance called him boring. Is this the fight that he needs to get him up, to get himself motivated? Now, it's, hmm. Hmm. Because right there would show a lack of understanding of, of, of the business. When somebody doesn't understand the business, it pisses me off. Now, I don't expect many of them to. But a guy on top of the bill, your marquee guy, I would suspect does. And if anybody gets it and understands what we're doing here, it's Adesanya. Adesanya's press conferences do better than other people's. Adesanya's weigh-ins do better than other people's. Adesanya's interviews, Adesanya's fights, and Adesanya's post-fight speeches. And now he's even turned it into Adesanya walkouts. 
But when somebody doesn't get what we're doing here, somebody wants to tell me it's all about great fights. You gotta have great fights, you gotta have finishes. When somebody comes and tells me that, I realize what a susceptible person they are because I'm well aware that that is the messaging that gets put out to you about excitement and about finish. I, I, I hear it all the time. There's one thing that keeps the lights on. Okay, from the business standpoint, I'm talking about making money, bringing in revenue, is done with one thing and one thing only, and that is anticipation. If you go back and read Fight of the Nights, that's generally how you get that information. There's not a big announcement. It comes off after the show. You go on the internet, you read who got it. But if you go and read it and somebody that you've never heard of got it, I mean, that's a really exciting thing, right? Some new, some up-and-comer. Maybe he's been in it three, four times. He's jerking the curtain. He's on the other card. He went out and did a great job. He got recognized. He got $50,000. You not only didn't make money with that guy, you've now lost another $50,000. It doesn't matter how good the fight was. It doesn't matter what the finish looks like. For what I'm discussing, I'm discussing bringing in revenue. That has to be done beforehand. You have to have people excited. There must be an anticipation. If there's not, you have nothing. But I only bring that to you because Piera, thus far, and he's only been on the clock here for about three weeks, he stunk up the joint. Piera has done nothing to help Adesanya. He's done nothing to help himself. He's done nothing to help the industry. Now, we guys like me, I'm excited that Piera's in there. This is the guy. I love this story. We have never before seen this story where two kickboxers whose backgrounds, whose youth, whose roots came from kickbox, we don't even see those guys succeed. As a matter of fact, from the time we set this octagon up in 1993, we embarrassed that sport to show it how ineffective it was, truly. Now, there's been exceptions over time. We're going to put Marco Huas in the list. It starts with Maurice Smith. We're going to throw Jose Aldo, who does most of his work, standing up. We're going to do Anderson Silva, who does his best work, standing up. Right? There's been exceptions, and they've been exceptional. But to have two guys at the same time, right? If this is a bracket, Piera cleaned out one side, made it to the finals. Adesanya cleaned out the other side, made it to the finals. Two kickboxers? That would have never been predicted. Then you have the backstory that they met up not once, but twice. Oh, and by the way, the big shiny trinket, Israel Adesanya, the face of the division, one of the faces of the company, lost in his youth to this guy not once but twice. That story is solid. That story is impressive. And a guy like me is out here telling it. There's other me's out here. And we're excited and we're telling the story. But if it wasn't for that, you're stuck. You get a power outage and you don't all of a sudden get YouTube and podcasts and voices like mine that are telling a story, you're not going to know the story. Piera has been terrible. I would love to tell you some things that Piera has done or said, and I read and hear them all, and there even was one. By the way, there's been two since he was named number one contender. There's been two, but there was even one a week ago. I can't remember them. There has been two. I'll give him, I can't remember. So what do you do if you're in that situation? The question that I was asked is, Piera the fight that Israel needs for what? What does he need him for? To get motivated, Israel's got to be motivated. He just fought the second best guy on earth. That's what number one contender means. 
Number one contender means, or at least is supposed to mean, that you have proven you can beat everybody else except one guy who happens to be the champion. That's what it means. Adesanya just fought him. And apparently not well. Is that what I'm hearing? Is that the final? He didn't fight him well. He wasn't motivated. Okay, well, he didn't lose a round. So the guy that had the belt that put more focus into walking out to entertain the crowd than he did on his opponent did not lose a single round to that opponent. I don't know. I don't I don't know what the, to motivate him. I, I just don't know what it means. It appears that he's motivated. A motivated athlete is a very rare athlete. If you start in sports at nine years old, your motivation will be gone by the time you're 14. Well, then what are you going to do? You still want to win. Well, maybe you get, get into high school and that changes things. Maybe you get into college and that changes things. Maybe you come out, you got world, Olympic aspirations, professional sport, that changes things. You get that little motivation back for three, four, five months. The good athletes operate on discipline. I don't need to be motivated. I don't care who you are. I expect to win. Here's the schedule. Here's what I need to do in my preparation. So whether Adesanya is motivated, and I do trust there's something special here, I'm just not willing to concede that anything's going to change in terms of his skills, because I'm not willing to concede anything's wrong with his skills. He just dominated for 25 minutes the second best guy in the world. So if Pierre is what Adesanya needs to get the numbers up and to get the attention, to get the house filled up at a premium price, Pierre sucks. It is flat disappointing. It is disappointing to the fact and to the point that you wish you could take it back. Now, in all fairness, there's not a better idea. Sean Strickland would have would have sure made things fun right now. That fight could be however far out that fight is. We'd all be talking about it every single day, but we got stuck with Piera. Now, the story is incredible. He's just not doing his side of it. And he's too new. He's too new to the locker rooms. He's too new to the industry and the business. I really don't expect that he would know it. Truly. Keep your mouth shut. You work hard. You walk out there and compete. You get your hand raised. You've done your job. That's how he views it. And that's what he can't. He hasn't been here long enough. I mean, I really can't give Pierre too hard of a time. I truly can't. I'm very impressed with him. And I'm so impressed at how fast he came through the ranks. I cannot think of a guy who went from zero to main event as quickly. Conor McGregor, who shot up faster than anybody, did not. Brock Lesnar, I believe, did, but I never count Brock when we're talking about these things. When I'm talking about gates and box offices and records, I just I don't count Brock. It was an anomaly. It was an anomaly for some very unique reasons that can't be duplicated. Maybe I should count Brock. I'm just sharing with you guys within my video. I don't count Brock. So Pierre has done a great job. I'm sitting over here, Pierre sucks. Pierre has done a really great job. But he is absolutely double-crossing his partners. He is. He has a job to come out and sell and to build this fight. 100%. And if he wins this fight, he now takes the division on his shoulders. If he is going to take the reins from Adesanya, you've got to look at everything that Adesanya is doing. You've got to be able to replace that and do more. We're not even in the conversation, let alone going to achieve those things. It would be a disaster if Piera was to win that fight. Add that to the promotional tools. You have one of the great marketers in the sport who cares about the audience. He cares enough to bring you guys entertainment. Versus a guy who doesn't, who I'm not positive could spell entertainment, just doesn't get that side of it. So what do you do? I mean, what do you do and what do you think? We're going to make this fight big, guys. We are. They aren't. We'll have Adesanya. He will do his part. Piera is going to sail this one in. 
Whatever drive and motivation and hard work and tricks that he pulled to get to this spot, trust me, they're going to be less once he gets to that spot. And he didn't do any of them then. So we're going to keep telling the story. We're going to make sure this is special for these guys. We're going to make sure that we have a little bit of fun along the way. But if you're asking me the question, is Pierre the fight that Adesanya needed? For what? close out today's program, I want to revisit UFC London from a few weeks ago by giving an update on Tom Aspinall and some speculation about the future of Patty the Bat. So it's being reported meniscus and MCL, and as far as knee injury goes, that's okay. I mean, that's going to hurt, that's going to slow you down, but in some regards, it's good news, because the ACL, while hurt, does not going to need surgery. I'm Quoting from the report that we got. Now, I got to tell you guys, 15-second contest. I thought going into that fight, I, I felt in my heart, Tom might be the best heavyweight out there. He might be the guy that is still rising and still hasn't completely convinced everybody, but that has the most skills and the most potential. I really felt that. I now know that I'm right. Even in those 15 seconds, I now know that I'm right. Tom went out there. He was in a little bit of a hurry, right? You always learn things in fights. Everything's 20-20, you break it down. But Tom did come across the cage. He did pack uh, Curtis Blades. Curtis didn't have a whole lot of options. He didn't have a whole lot of places to move because Tom put him into a corner. Tom began throwing kicks as opposed to hands. The general rule on kicks is you will finish a combination with a kick. You don't start a combination with a kick. That's a general rule. But Tom broke that. He started riding with kicks. When you do that, the other guy just punches straight down the middle and he hits you. Okay, great. But that's what Curtis did. Twice. Hard. A fresh, well-ranged Curtis Blade threw a one-two combo right down the middle and hit Tom right in his face. Didn't bother Tom at all. Tom threw another kick. Curtis hit him with a one-two again. That rinsed and repeated three times over. All in 15 seconds. Curtis Blade hit Tom six times. Three jabs, three crosses. Didn't hurt him all. I mean, I'm just sharing with you. As good or tough that I thought Tom was going to that fight, I now know that I'm right. And I don't know how many people could get that out of 15 seconds. I don't know how many people could see that. I have things that I could critique, and again, the, the, the kicks, and maybe got a little apprehensive and rushed him a little. I'm just sharing with you. That's good news. And now we've got a little bit of uh, the finish to the story. That's probably, and that's being guessed, and again, doctor, but I like to play one over here type thing, six months. Six months till you're back, full training, back in the ring within eight months. So hold that thought. I'm, I'm purely just bringing that to you. But it did force me as I read that to look back on that card, to look back on that event. My mind quickly did jump to Patty. I mean, if anybody has stood out as an absolute star, if you can fill up arenas like the O2, if you can get the loudest reception of the night, if you're the one that the people really came out to see, I mean, that's something special. And Jordan did more than any other opponent Patty's ever had, has done. Jordan saw the opportunity, and Jordan came for Jordan also showed some skills. Now, when the whole thing was over, it really helped to shine a light on just how good Patty was. Jordan did not touch Patty up as was predicted. He took him down. He held some position, but he also tested Patty's lungs. Getting a takedown is the hardest thing you can do as far as an exertion goes. It's the hardest thing in the entire sport that you can do. Going for a takedown and or get is the hardest thing that you can do except being the guy on bottom. 
Now you got this other guy on top of you. You're using just as much energy and reverse. And now you gotta, you gotta get up with equal body weight on top. Patty did that. Patty was getting worn down. Patty was getting tired, but we didn't see that at all. He was pushing the pace. He returned to the same position three different times. He solved the problem three different times. I didn't know Patty was that good. I saw nothing from Patty Pimlet that night that were from, would preclude me from believing he has the potential to be a world champion. Now, Dana comes out, he talks about Patty. He puts a plan out there. He was a little light on details, but he did say, I think we take him to Boston or New York. We bring him to Vegas, we test him out on pay-per-view. This was Dana's short-term plan. One thing that aggravates me, and that I could not help but notice, and guys, what, how long has been by a month? There's been a, enough amount of time. I haven't heard anybody ask for the fight with Patty. I've heard guys say his name. I've heard guys talk about basically the jealousy that they feel because they think he's getting special treatment and or opportunities, but I haven't heard them say, I want to fight him. And looking at the tea leaves of Patty, right? You can't just call anybody out. You can't just say, I want to fight Francis Ngannou and have anybody listen to you. Francis has got himself in a rare field. World champion, he's only going to take on contenders. So there's maybe two guys at a time that would even have an argument to be heard that believe they should get that shot. But Patty's in a different spot. Got this unranked guy, you got this new guy. At some point, they're going to make the big push. They're doing it right now with Sugar Sean, by example. He's getting the big push. He's proved himself, and now he's going in with the former champion. At some point, they're going to do that with Patty. So if you're one of the top guys and you want to go stop him or get your hands on him now, you could call out Patty. You could call a guy much lower than you. Eventually, those guys are going to get called, but that might not be right now, and we don't know that. It might continue to be guys that we're not overly familiar with, that are also not highly ranked. It might be. So that opens up that entire end of the pool as well. So my final analysis when you do that equation is everybody within the division has a reasonable claim to believe that they could be next for Patty. Nobody is disqualified from that. We don't know what side of the pool they're going to go in. And with that said, we're still not seeing him called out. I struggle with this at women's featherweight more than anywhere else. Because it's not just Amanda. Cyborg had the same problem. Nobody suggested getting that fight. Now, one person has called and said that they should get to be next for Amanda. So I don't get to say nobody's done. I don't get to do that anymore. But over the life of that division, it's been very true. You can be a number one contender your first time in the octagon. Never being signed to the UFC, you can be signed to a world title fight if you're just the one that raises their hand. At 155 pounds, everybody is eligible to be in the discussions. Everybody will be heard. Everybody will be given equal opportunity to have Patty accept, dismiss you, get that to the second floor of the UFC, get the contract signed. Everybody's in, and they don't want to fight him. I saw something very special about Patty. I saw that he's as good as the hype. I saw that with a little bit of time and the right training, which he's getting, he has the potential to be the world champion. I saw that. I get it. But the guy most recent that I could compare this to, the guy that was getting the attention, filling up arenas, taking headlines, and that people saw as, whoa, this is a diamond in the rough, was Chemayev. But Chemayev was flat scary. He went through four contests. 
He finished all four men. He never left the first round. He did it with knockouts. He did it with submissions. Oh, by the way, he was never touched. I mean, it really was an anomaly. I understood a little better why guys were scared of Shemaya. I didn't appreciate it. I didn't give them a pass, but I got it. Guys that are saying, well, he's not even ranked and he's not on my level and he shouldn't be. All these fancy ways to say, man, I don't want to deal with that guy. There's something there. There's something there. Not enough guys know him yet and he's a badass. That's not what Patty's doing. Patty's doing it with control. Patty's doing it with effort. He's doing it with energy. He's not a guy that you would put in the scary category. But make no mistake, when guys aren't calling out Patty, that is a sign of respect. They respect him. And that respect is through fear. But it's a different kind of fear because it's the different skills that he's bringing. And it disappoints me. It really does. The guys in the division are not associating themselves at this point with Patty. I don't love that Patty is such a phenom, such a sensation, and he's not calling for opportunities, but I can't come down on him. I can't come down on him because what he's doing or what he isn't doing, it's working. I can't come down on him. I would like to see that only because I would like to see the responses. Chemayev did a very good job, if we're just juxtaposing these two's approaches, Chemayev did a very good job of saying who. He would call people out straight up. I want you. And then we would see the dance and we would see those guys come up with all the reasons that they don't want to do it. I'd like to see Patty hold a couple of feet to the fire. I'd like to see these guys squirming just a little bit. But I would also like the people within the division to know eventually Patty is going to get the same push that Sugar Sean's going through right now. Eventually those top guys are going to be coming. Dana said he's going to take him to Boston. He's going to take him to New York. These are major opportunities. He's going to bring him to the fight capital of Vegas. He's going to put him on pay-per-view. These are major opportunities. But I don't see guys within the division trying to align themselves. I don't have a deeper thought than that. I'm not here to scold anybody beyond that or do it by name. It's an observation, but it's an accurate one. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And remember, if you want to support the show, Head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a five-star review, or open Spotify. Find the show and give us five stars. I'm off for the weekend, but we're going to be back on Wednesday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome.